Hello everyone, I am Matthew Barris, and welcome to Matt's world, where it is my world, and you all just live in it. And today, it is Mental Health Monday, but on this one, it is a, um, not a very, uh, jovial episode today as you can tell in the sound of my voice because we're talking about the anniversary of a day that will live forever in pro wrestling infamy the Crispin Waugh double murder suicide and it has been 15 years since this has happened and i want to say first and foremost because like i said you know last week i was going to be talking about this on monday and also wednesday wednesday um i was going to be looking at my chris benoit matches and and i also talked about this over at gtv695 which is my other instagram account which i will soon be changing to Matt's World TV, that I'm able to separate the wrestler from the person on the level that I can watch a Chris Benoit match without thinking about the murder. So if you are going to give me crap about that, you know, I'm glorifying a child-killing, murdering bastard and that, you know, I'm, and that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm praising a murderer and giving, you know, a murderer excuse and blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you right now, turn this shit off right now. Okay. Turn this podcast off right now because A, I'm not in the mood to hear that. And B, that's not what it's about. Okay. I'm going to give you my personal thoughts and feelings on Chris Benoit. And also, I am not advocating for him being in the Hall of Fame, and I'm going to go into that reason why. Uh, no kombucha of the day, because I am simply all out of kombucha. And, well, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're going to get right in. To it, I'm um, reading this from Wikipedia right here. Over a three-day period from June 22nd to June 24, 2007, Chris Benoit murdered his wife, Nancy. Nancy Benoit, who we all knew as uh, Nancy Sullivan, the um, ex-wife of um, Kevin Sullivan at that time. And their seven-year-old son, Daniel, before hanging himself. Autopsy results show that Benoit's wife was murdered first as she was bound at the feet and wrists and died of exfiliation, which means choking, on the night of June 22nd. On June 25th, Nancy was found wrapped in a towel with blood under her head, although Fayette County District Attorney Scott Ballard reported no other signs of a struggle. 
the couple's son, Daniel Christopher Benoit, who also died of exfia, was um, killed as he was lying sedated in his bed on the morning of June 23rd. Then on the evening of June 24th, Benoit killed himself in his weight room when he used his lat pull-down machine to hang himself. He placed Bibles near the bodies of his wife and son. Since Benoit's suicide, numerous explanations of his actions have been proposed, including severe chronic traumatic and I cannot I cannot pronounce that word. Uh, CTE. Yeah, well, CTE. Steroid and alcohol abuse leading to a a failing marriage and other personal problems. The incident led to numerous media accounts and a federal investigation into steroid abuse and professional wrestling. <clears throat> now, uh, Chris Benoit, of course, um, as we all know from Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada. Well, actually, well, he was built as being from uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, though it says here on Wikipedia that uh, he was born in um, Montreal. Oh, he grew up in Edmonton. Oh, so he was originally from Edmonton. Oh, so he was born in Montreal and grew up in Edmonton. Um, you know, as we all know, he grew up watching uh, The Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart, and he wanted to become a professional wrestler. He trained at the Hart Family Dungeon... Uh, along with Stu Hart, and then he got his career started in Stampede Wrestling. He wrestled in Stampede from 85 to 89, and during that time, he wrestled in New Japan Pro Wrestling from 86 uh, to 97. Yeah, he was on again and off again in New Japan, and um, when he officially joined WCW, in, um, well, I should say his second run in WCW in 96. Um, his Japan dates got cut short, and then he was um, exclusively, you know, WCW. Um, but uh, when he was in um, Stampede Wrestling, he was... Let's see, looking at it right here... Um, you know, he was uh, wrestling in singles, and then um, and then he teamed with uh, Rick Patterson, and and then of course, um, you know, he was also the Commonwealth uh, Mid Heavyweight Champion. He won that from Gama Singe, and. He won four international tag team titles as well, and he was actually recommended to go to Japan by um, by Bad News Allen, who, of course, wrestled in the WWF as um, Bad News Brown. And it was while he was in Japan, he, you know, he learned, you know, he trained for about a year in the dojo. And, you know, he was sweeping floors, doing push-ups, and, um, you know, he wrestled under his real name in 86, and then in 89, he wrestled under uh, Pegasus Kid. Yeah, the Pegasus 
kid and um and he, you know he wrestled under a mask and he actually at first did not like the mask but then he grew to like it and he won the um <clears throat> the IWGP um junior heavyweight championship in August of 1990 from Jushin Thunder Liger and I actually saw that match on um Crispin was a uh, Hard Knocks DVD that I got when I was in high school, and that was uh, one of his best matches. And you know, I remember watching that match over and over, and you know, it was a tremendous match. And then he lost um, the title to Jushin in November, and in July, um, in Japan, and in November. Uh, in, yeah, November of 1991 in Mexico, um, you know, he lost to Jushin Liger again. He lost a mask versus mask match to Liger. And after he lost the mask, uh, he became Wild Pegasus. And because he, and as Wild Pegasus, he won... The uh, 1994 Super J Cup tournament, and in the tournament, he beat um, Gato, the Great Sasuke, and Black Tiger. And of course, Black Tiger was Eddie Guerrero. Yep, uh, it was in Japan. He met Dimalenko and Eddie Guerrero. They forged a friendship, and at first, they didn't quite get along. I mean, you go back to the episode of The Dark Side of the Ring. And, you know, Eddie's wife um, said that Eddie, you know, talked about him, said that, you know, you can't work with him. He's an asshole. And, you know, but then they they grew into a friendship. And during um, and also during that period, um, also, as I mentioned before, Chris Benoit and his first run in WCW, he you know, it was in 92 and 93. Uh, he came to WCW in June of 1990. Too, along with um, Biff Willington, and they were part. They were a tag team, and they were part of the NWA World Tag Team uh, Tournament. And they lost uh, Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger in the first round at the uh, Clash of the Champions uh, nineteen. And he didn't return to WCW until January of nineteen ninety three. At the Clash of Champions um, 22, he beat Brad Armstrong. Then he came back uh, another month later where he had a five-star classic against Two Cold Scorpio at Super Bowl three, And he lost that match. And that was another match I saw on the DVD. And that was just a tremendous match. And, um, and then, of course, uh, he formed a tag team with Bobby Eaton. Him and Eaton lost to uh, Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell at Slamboree 93, the first Slamboree, and then he went back to Japan. And then afterwards, he wound up in ECW. Yep, in August of 94, he was in ECW. This was still when ECW was um, Eastern Championship Wrestling. It was under the, um, the NWA banner. And he was actually part of the uh, NWA World Heavyweight Title Tournament, and he lost to, to Cold Scorpio in the quarterfinals. And 
infamously at the 1994 November to remember, he accidentally broke uh, Sabu's neck. And that's when uh, Paul E. Uh, gave him the nickname The Crippler. And as, you know, as The Crippler, you know, he also did uh, promos with his hands, showing his hands. He used to go in, you know, like, you know, we disagree. And, and it was also there... Um, you know, he was there in ECW with uh, with Dean and Eddie, and he was also there with um, Shane Douglas. Of course, uh, Shane, uh, Dean, and Chris, they formed the Triple Threat. They, they were the original Triple Threat, I should say. And Dean and uh, Chris, they wound up winning the uh, ECW Tag Team titles. And... Um, and of course, uh, their tag team title reign didn't last long because, um, you know, Benoit did not get a, um, did not get a work visa, you know, to come into the United States. And, and of course, uh, he wound up, uh, having to work more dates in Japan and then eventually he did get a work visa and... You know, and he wound up uh, going to WCW. You know, or I should say going back to WCW. And during his second run in WCW, as I mentioned before, he wound up working there. And then, um, you know, later on, his uh, dates in Japan got cut short and he was uh, exclusively WCW. Um, during that time in WCW, he was a member of the Four Horsemen with uh, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Brian Pillman. And also during that time, he engaged into a um, feud with uh, Kevin Sullivan. And eventually it became um, a real-life feud because the feud was that you know, Benoit was having an affair with uh, Sullivan's uh, wife, Nancy, who also went by the name of Woman. And at that time, Benoit was uh, also married uh, to his previous wife, and he had two kids. And just going right down here to... Um, right here... Um, yeah, yeah. His uh, first two kids were uh, David and uh, Megan. Yeah, his first, yeah, his first wife was uh, Martina, and and of course in uh, real life, um, you know Benoit and Nancy were um, were having an affair, and according to uh, Nancy's. Um, sister uh, on the Dark Side of the Ring episode, um, Nancy was um, was being abused by Kevin Sullivan, and and Kevin has uh, denied this um, claim. You know, he has claimed that he is um, that he that he ever abused her, ever put his hands on her. And Nancy Sullivan, of course, um, she got her start in the business uh, managing Kevin Sullivan in Florida. Um, and actually, her nickname was the uh, the Fallen Angel. 
yeah, that was her nickname, the uh, the fallen um, angel. And her and Luna Vachon, actually, um, they were part of uh, Kevin Sullivan's um, um, Dungeon of Doom um, faction. Yeah, you know, in Florida, you know, like, they were used to come out with the, um, you know, with, they used to come out with leashes on their, you know, they used to come out and used to get walked out with, with leashes. And, which, of course, I, I think in um, in today's uh, society, you know, with the Me Too movement would not go over too well. But, uh, you know, people used to think that she was actually possessed by the devil. And her sister said that, you know, like, um, you know, they would have, like, holy rollers and Christians. They would, like, put holy water on her and would, like, pray for her soul and stuff. You know, that's how much uh, they believed in the gimmick. And Nancy, of course, um, you know, she had, um, you know, she would go on and, you know, be in Jim Crocker Promotions, which would eventually become WCW. Uh, she did manage the Steiner Brothers for a short period of time. She played like this, um, like this nerdy uh, fangirl who had a crush on Rick Steiner and then eventually turned on the Steiner brothers and became woman. Uh, she did leave uh, WCW for a short period of time and wound up in ECW for a while where uh, she, and actually Kevin Sullivan was in um, ECW for a short period of time too, in 93 to about, I think from about from 93 to 94. And then she, and then woman also um, wound up managing uh, the Sandman for a short period of time, too. And she wound up managing uh, the Sandman, and then she left uh, to go back to WCW as well. And so uh, Benoit and um, Sullivan, then they had, um, you know, they had their feud, they had matches. And Benoit said on the DVD that uh, he didn't feel that um, Sullivan... Um, you know, took advantage of him, um, physically, you know, but he said that in terms of storylines that, um, he felt like he was taken advantage of and that he was being held down. And in a way he was being held down. I mean, because, you know, he was putting on five-star matches, you know, he had great matches, not only against, uh, you know, Kevin Sullivan, he had, you know, a great best of seven match series with Booker T. I mean, they had a, you know, tremendous, you know, matches against each other. And I, you know, I remember some of their matches when I was getting into pro wrestling myself. Um, you know, he, you know, he was part of that uh, great three-way dance at uh, Uncensored '98. You know, which is, uh, you know, which is a classic. You know, but um, you know, and but it was just like there was just a certain level he could just never. Um, he could never break through because of his size and, you know, they felt like, well, you know, yeah, he could wrestle, but, you know, he couldn't talk or, you know, he just couldn't, um, you know, he has no charisma or whatever. And, um, and it was kind of a shame and it wasn't just, uh, him that was being held back. It was also, uh, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, also, uh, Perry Saturn as well, who was another friend of theirs. Uh, Chris Jericho as well. In fact, uh, Chris Jericho, um, left, uh, you know, left for WWF, 
um, which was which would be WWE. It was WWF at that time. About um, yeah, about uh, several months before um, before they came over to the WWF, and um, you know Jericho has talked about it in interviews. You know he says like you know he he did feel a little bad about it because he felt like well he he described it as like he broke away from prison and you know he you know. You know, he could um, hear his uh, friends, you know, you know, at the, you know, at the gate, you know, saying, you know, run, Chris, run. And uh, Benoit, well, of course, uh, did eventually win the WCW title. He won it at uh, Sold Out 2000. But of course, that was on uh, his last night out. And they did try to get him to resign. You know, they felt like by giving him the, the title that, that he would resign. But Benoit you know, felt like they were going to put the knife in his back, and, of course, him, Perry Saturn, and Eddie Guerrero, they walked out, and they wound up uh, on Monday Night Raw, and I actually remember this. I remember watching SmackDown, and I saw a recap of Raw, and I was like, oh my god, Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and, you know, Dean Malenko, they're, they're on WWF? Wow. And this was, uh, you know, still at the height of the Monday Night Raw, I'm mean, Monday Night Wars, I should say, yeah, Monday Night Wars, and, um, you know, and of course, you know, the, the WWF was still winning the Monday Night Wars, they were, you know, they were still kicking ass, it was still at the height of the, um, you know, the Attitude Era, you know, and, I mean, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion by that, by that point, you know, it was just a matter of time of, you know, whether, um, WCW would, would go out of business and and of course uh benoit and um nancy you know they would go on and have their kid they had daniel and nancy sullivan you know after um you know after him and uh i mean after her and benoit got married and had a kid she just kind of left the industry you know it's just a thing of um you know, once she got married, uh, you know, she kind of left the wrestling uh, industry. Um, one of her, you know, one of her last appearances, uh, so to speak, was um, was on the Benoit, um, you know, documentary, the Benoit DVD, the Hard Knocks DVD. And you also saw her make a brief appearance at uh, WrestleMania 22 when... Um, when Benoit won the title against Triple H and Shawn Michaels in the Triple Threat match, and you, you know, saw, you know, you saw her there along with uh, Eddie Guerrero and um, you know Eddie's wife and the kids, and you know they're all there and they're celebrating, and and you know it was, um, you know, it was a great moment. You know, it was a great moment in time. You know, and you saw. You know these wrestlers who were being held down in WCW, who weren't um, going past mid card level, now being at the top of the business, and then by you know 2005 to 2007, you know Benoit was like back down to the mid card, you know type level. He went to ECW when they restarted ECW again, and. You know, I mean, like, he was put in, like, semi-main event matches, but, like, he wasn't, like, 
you know, getting the title put back on him. And actually, um, just reading this on Wikipedia, uh, he was supposed, to, yeah, when he, um, you know, when he eventually did what he did, um, well, of course, I should back it up a little bit as well. Um, that, uh, you know, before that, he had, um, you know, he had been very saddened by the death of, um, you know, of Eddie Guerrero. And, you know, Eddie, of course, died um, a day after uh, my birthday, uh, November 13th, uh, 2005. And I remember that because um, that was, I was watching a um, TNA uh, Genesis um, pay-per-view. And it said, you know, we're dedicating this to um, to Eddie Guerrero. And I was thinking, like, what? And then Conan, you know, he said, like, yo, dedicating this to Eddie Guerrero. And um, and I looked online because uh, um, I had uh, American Online at the time in my house. And I remember looking at this, and and I couldn't believe it. It, it was one of the headlines, and it said it right there. WWE superstar Eddie Guerrero found dead. And it was, um, it was pretty sad. Yeah, it was pretty sad, you know, and, you know, couldn't believe that Eddie had, um, passed. And, and I also remember the next night, uh, you know, they were doing the tribute and, you know, Eddie was so, I mean, Chris was so devastated and, you know, seeing him cry, you know, just seeing him break down and, and just cry. I mean, tears coming out of his eyes and what have you. And they say that he was never the same afterwards. You know, I mean, every um, arena he would go to, you know, he would, um, you know, he would talk about how, like, you know, it reminded him of Eddie. This is where him and Eddie used to be and, uh, and what have you. And he was... Um, you know, he was, um, you know, he was very saddened and heartbroken by it, and, and then, you know, he just became more depressed because, you know, because also, you know, a lot of, more of his friends had also passed away, too, you know, a lot of his friends in the business have also passed away, um, Ray Trailer, who many of you might know as Big Bubba Rogers, and of course, more famously, the Big Boss Man, he had passed away, and, I remember hearing about that and being like, wow, that's, wow, that was sad. And, um, I think it was, uh, I think I was around that time, uh, Road Warrior, um, Road Warrior Hawk. Um, no, I think it was, yeah, I think Road Warrior Hawk had, uh, had passed away around that time as well. And then about, um, and then about, uh, some months before uh, Benoit had had died, um, actually, um, Sensational Sherry had uh, had passed away as well. And Sensational Sherry was actually a friend of um, of Nancy and Chris's. And um, it was also like a um, 
like a like a local Canadian wrestler. I forget the name. Chris Jericho talked about it on a pot on on his podcast who had passed away, and he had, you know, Chris had said that you know I just can't take any more of my friends in the industry dying, and also you know like it really had changed him. You know, it really changed Chris, and um, you know, and it also changed. Um, you know, it also changed, you know, Eddie's death also changed, um, Vicky as well, you know, Eddie's wife, Vicky, because, um, you know, Vicky, you know, was very depressed, she was in bed, and, um, and, you know, Nancy, of course, was the one to get her out of bed, and, you, you know, put her in the shower, and say, listen, you know, you need to get up, you know, there are, you have two little girls, and they need to, know that their mom is going to be there for them and she took him out for lunch and she really she really helped her uh, get back on her feet and of course that led to um you know to vicky um you know being eventually um hired by the wwe and of course now she works in aew as well and and of course, uh, Chris, you know, I mean, he just really struggled with Eddie's uh, death, you know, like when he would come over the house and, you know, um, you know, the house and, you know, he would be in Eddie's gym at the house and he'd just be crying and, you know, and stuff. And of course, um, you know, they did try to help him, you know, they, you know, they gave him a journal to write and talk about Eddie's, you know, to talk about Eddie and, and stuff. And also, um... They said that uh, before Eddie's death, you know, like Eddie had tried to turn Chris uh, onto religion, you know, into the Bible because, um, you know, Eddie Guerrero, of course, had a history of alcohol and substance abuse. And, you know, uh, when he got clean and sober, you know, he had turned to the Bible and, you know, he was in the locker room reading the Bible and going through passages, talking about the Lord and and Benoit had, um, you know, Benoit had not, um, been a, um, a believer in God, I, I, I believe, and, but then he was reading the Bible more, and he was, um, you know, he started reading it more, and, and what have you, and it started to change him a little bit, and then he, they say he was reading the Bible more, but, and, you know, he was also writing in his journal more, you know, talking about Eddie, but, you know, he's, but he was still very, um, still very depressed, you know, he was, um, you know, he was, uh, you know, you know, they said that he was drinking more, he became more paranoid, you know, he was like, he was very paranoid, and he had, um, you know, he had also, well, he had been taking steroids for years, now, this I did not know until, like, um, you know, until, you know, the investigation, and then also the documentaries, and what have you, uh, that Chris Benoit had also been taking steroids, and, you know, and I did not know this, you know, until, like, years later, and, and also come to find out that, uh, you know, he had also had uh, some brain damage. You know, his body was um, was breaking down, you know, because, um, 
you know, he also had a serious um, neck injury in uh, 2001. And I remember, yeah, I remember that he had um, ruptured a, a disc in his neck in uh, 2001 during uh, the King of the Ring match in, um, in 2000, yeah, in 2001 with uh, Jericho and um, Steve Austin. And he was out for, yeah, I think he was out, yeah, he was out for about a year until um yeah until he finally came back yeah i remember i remember that very well and you know he just had a chronic um you know you know it was just like a chronic injury and of course um and also he had um you know a lot of head trauma you know a lot of concussions and one of the um, things that they say that led to that to the concussions was uh, the diving headbutt, you know, his uh, one of his finishing maneuvers. And actually, uh, Harley Race, who was known for doing the diving headbutt, was uh, trying to tell him not to do that because um, they said it it messes with your spine, and it did mess with Harley Race's spine. That's why you know he retired and. And what have you? They say that it also messed with um, with the Dynamite Kid's spine. Of course, uh, we all know what happened to the Dynamite Kid. He he injured his back uh, during a during a house show, and his back was jacked up, and you know he was never the same again. And um, you know, and Benoit kept doing it, and and of course he did take some. Um, some chair shots too and this was at a time when you know you didn't put um well there were some wrestlers you know they would put their hands up you know whenever they would take a chair shot but there were other times when um you know you would you would not put your hands up you know because you wanted the fans to think like oh man that was real and you know you would just stick up your neck and grit your teeth and you would just take the chair shot you know it was almost like a, a badge of honor and and of course um nowadays we now know that it is um you know it has led to a lot of brain damage and they say that when they looked at chris benoit's brain you know after he passed he had the brain of an 80 year old man yeah they said that he had the brain of an 80-year-old man. They said that his brain looked like, um, you know, his brain looked like chocolate pudding. And looking back at, um, you know, his wrestling career and, you know, looking at the, you know, the match, you know, all of his matches, you know, throughout the different promotions that he's wrestled in, and not to blame WWE, I'm not blaming WWE or anything like that. Um, I would say that he took more chair shots in WWE than he, um, yeah, I would say that he took more, uh, chair shots in WWE than he did in, um, ECW and any other, um, promotion as well. I mean, um... I mean, of course, there was one famous um, chair, chair shot during the ladder match with Chris Jericho at the 2000 
one Royal Rumble where he was going for a suicide dive and then uh, Chris uh, Jericho, like he hit, you know, he put up the chair and bam, hit him. You know, he hit him right in the head with the chair and Benoit, you know, um, you know, he went down and it was, you know, you look at that still to this day, it's just like, ugh, man, you know, and it was just, um, no, it's just, I mean, as a kid, you know, you look at it and as a wrestling fan, you know, it's just like, it's cool, but when you look at it, you know, now, you know, at the same time, you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, this, you know, it's kind of sick. Not in a good way, either. And, and so, uh, and so, anyways, um, you know, Chris was, uh, supposed to wrestle, um, CM Punk at the uh, ECW um, pay-per-view uh, for the uh, ECW, oh sorry, not the ECW pay-per-view, but the um, um, well, it was so, yeah, well, not an ECW pay-per-view, but uh, I forget the name of the pay-per-view, but he was supposed to wrestle CM Punk for the uh, ECW World. Um, championship and he would have won it too he would have uh won the championship so he would have been a world champion in ecw wwe and wcw uh making him like maybe like the geez like maybe like the well i know the big show had had done it before so i think that probably would have made him like the second person to ever done it <laughs> maybe um but anyways, and, uh, yeah, he would have, you know, he would have been a Triple Crown World Heavyweight Champion. And in fact, actually, um, at that time, uh, Bob Sapp, um, who was an MMA fighter and a kickboxer, you know, he worked in K1, um, you know, he was, um, you know, he was close to coming into WWE, but then there was a contract dispute, and um, and had he been able to come in to WWE, they said that he was going to be able to work an angle with Benoit, and unfortunately, um, that never happened. And so, with the um, with the murder, we're going to get more into the murder now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go to the murder, uh, sorry, the murder article here. Yeah, so here's what it says on, uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, Chris Benoit killed his wife Nancy in an upstairs bedroom. Her limbs were bound and her body was wrapped in a towel. A copy of the Bible was left by her body. Injuries indicated that Benoit had pressed a knee into her back while pulling on a cord around her neck, causing a strangulation. Wow. Yeah, so he put her... He put uh, his knee into her back. Ouch. Yeah, so he he brutalized her. Man. 
And then with uh, Daniel, of course, suffocated. Um, you know, he had suffocated him. Like, I think, he, yeah, he choked him with a, um, you know, with a, with a pillow. Um, and um, he, no, wait, hold on. It says that, um, yeah, I think he choked him with his uh, pillow. And, um, yeah, with his pillow. And, well, it says that the reports determined that Daniel was sedated with Xanax and lightly unconscious when he was killed. Daniel's body had also just started to show signs of decompos decomposition, but was not as far along as his mother's body. It was later alleged that Daniel had fragile X syndrome and that this was that this was the cause of domestic problems in the Benoit family. It was also suggested that needle marks on Daniel's arms were the results of growth hormones given to him because Benoit and his family considered him undersized due to fragile X. And Yeah, so um So yeah, that's uh well wait, else is um wait well, I'm just reading more here. Uh let's see. Uh Ben was co-worker and best friend wrestler Chris Jericho stated that from his own research on the conditions, the symptoms fit Daniel to a T all across the board. Concerning those who have publicly stated that they had no knowledge of Daniel having the condition, Jericho said if Chris had decided that he wanted to keep it to himself, you wouldn't have been able to pry that out of him with anything. Despite Jericho's initial statements regarding Daniel, he later stated in his 2001 book Undisputed, it turned out that Daniel didn't have Fragile X, but at the time it made sense because I was grasping at straws. Well, so maybe he didn't. Maybe he did, didn't. Uh, District Attorney Anthony Ballard later released a statement saying that a source with access to Daniel's medical files found no mention of any pre-existing mental or physical ailments. Likewise, Daniel Benoit's teachers reported that he was on par with other students and not a, about to be held back as previously thought. Speaking publicly for the first time in a major public interview on a Talk is Jericho podcast in 2023, in 2016, Nancy's sister, Sandra Tafalani, uh, unequivocally denied any claims that Daniel had ever had a fragile X or any other such condition. She also stated that claims of needle track marks on Daniel's arms were preposterous. Huh. Okay. Well, so, uh, we, well, we don't really... Know if he had um, if he had a mental disability or not. Uh, as far as the domestic violence, um, yeah, Nancy had uh, filed a restraining order against um, Chris because one time um, Nancy said, yeah, Nancy did claim that uh, Chris had um, had hit her. 
Um, yeah, he said that. Yeah, she did say that. Um, you know that Chris um, did. Um, you know that. You know that Chris did. Um, you know hit her, and that uh, she actually did file for divorce, citing um, you know. You know. You know, cruel treatment and and what have you, and she dropped the suit in August two thousand twenty three. You know, she. Sh also dropped the restraining order on her husband, you know, to try to work it out. And, um, so, um, so yeah, you know, I mean, and, well, this is the thing that's, um, that's kind of, um, it's kind of puzzled me because um, Nancy Sullivan, you know, um, I mean, from what I hear, and she had a reputation for as being someone who didn't take any shit from anybody. She had like, um, you know, a take no shit um, attitude. And so like the whole, um, you know, domestic violence Thing, you know, I mean, it was, um, you know, like, you know, hearing about her being like an abused, um, you know, wife uh, or something, you know, like, I'm not saying that, you know, that she was, that she wasn't or anything, you know, it's just uh, kind of puzzling to me, but, you know, I wasn't there, so I can't, you know, I can't really speak on it or anything like that. But, um, no, but I did hear that she had, um, a reputation for not putting up with anybody's, um, what the, um, putting up with anybody's shit. So, let's see. Now we're going to After the Murders. After the Murders at about 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, June 23rd, Chris Benoit received a voice message from Benoit's phone stating that both Nancy and Daniel had food poisoning that he would be late for that night's uh, house show in Beaumont, Texas. Yep, uh, Chavo talked about this on the um, Dark Side of the Ring. He said that, uh, you know, now you got a message from Benoit saying that uh, Nancy, that Nancy and uh, Daniel were, you know, got food poisoning, he was taking care of them, and he got a lot of messages, you know, saying that, you know, you know, one message saying, you know, Chavo, I love you, and, um, then he got one cryptic message, um, you know, saying, um, I think it was like, uh, you know, that, you know, the dogs, uh, like the doors unlock and the dogs are outside or, you know, something to, to that. And he actually still sometimes gets, um, you know, prank calls, prank messages like that. And which is you know, uh, which is fucking sick, fucking sickening, in my opinion, and that's when they found, uh, and then, of course, uh, the police eventually found the bodies, and, you know, they found Chris, um, hanging, and it was ruled a murder-suicide,
of course, on Monday night, uh, they gave a tribute to Chris Benoit. They, um, yeah, they gave a tribute to Chris Benoit on Monday Night Raw, and uh, it was in Corpus um, Christi, uh, Texas, and. And around that time, uh, of course, by that time, I was actually out of wrestling. Um, I was done watching pro wrestling uh, because I got a little bored with it. And, you know, and I was fully into MMA. I was into mixed martial arts and and stuff. And, you know, and I actually didn't hear about Benoit's uh, murder until, like, um until I was at a therapy session because I would talk about MMA to my therapist and my therapist talked about Chris Benoit as, you know, murder-suicide and eventually I found out about it. And uh, that night on Monday Night Raw, you know, they paid tribute to, um, you know, to Chris Benoit looking at all his matches and, um, and then, of course, uh, they found out um, you know, what had really happened and that it was a murder-suicide. Oh, just got a notification there. And then, of course, uh, Vince McMahon, um, on ECW the next night, he released a statement. You know, he said, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Last night on Monday Night Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now, some 26 hours later, the facts of this horror tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name tonight. On the contrary, tonight's show will be dedicated to everyone who has been affected by this terrible incident. This evening marks the first step of the healing process. Tonight, WWE performers will do what they do better than anyone else in the world. Entertain you. Yep. And and then of course on SmackDown, uh, you know Vince released another statement. He said, you know on you know, on recent edition of Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute show recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, the horror, however, the facts of this horrific tragedy involving Chris Benoit. While we're not known at this time, therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name in this program. On the contrary, the show is dedicated to everyone who has been affected by this terrible incident. This marks the first step of healing process where by the WWE performance will now do what they do better than anyone else in the world entertain you. Yeah, and after this, uh, Chris Benoit, you know, name was like, erased like it was erased from w from wwe history i mean like except for um like in the wwe encyclopedia you know but you know there was no mention of crispin law in like um and like its websites, in, um, and also the tribute episode. The tribute episode, um, still to this day, um, has not aired on the WWE Network. Um, Benoit's name was, 
um, was re- name was removed from the previous theme song Rabid on the WWE anthology album when it was released on MP3. Um, you know, he was also removed from the WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2008 video game. Um, and the WWE Network, they have, um, um, they have released, I mean, they do have his matches on there, they do have his matches on there and on the network, but, um, but, you know, they, but, you know, they don't advertise it. Um, they don't advertise it, um. You know, they don't mention him by name, um, you know, and they, or anything, you know, they, you know, they, they list the matches, but they don't mention him by name or, or whatever, and so, like, fans can, um, you know, so fans can, you know, can still watch Chris Benoit, you know, they can still watch Chris Benoit on the WWE Network, uh, they just don't, um, you know, they're just not gonna hear his name mentioned, uh, or see his name mentioned. (sighs) So, now, uh, I'm gonna take a little break, uh, gonna get my so something to drink, and I'll be right back, and I'm going to give you guys my final thoughts. All right. I got something to wet my whistle. Just took a swig of my Wota. So now I'm going to give you my own personal thoughts on Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit was a phenomenal wrestler. In the ring, there was a competitor like no other. Okay? He had a phenomenal career. Okay? My opinion, second best technical wrestler of all time. Of course, number one being Bret Hart. I mean, Bret Hart, number one. Chris Benoit being number two. Number three, I put Dynamite Kid. You know, Dynamite Kid, of course, paved the way for, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger, Daniel Bryan, um, and Chris Benoit. But I think Benoit, he surpassed. Um, I think he has surpassed Dynamite Kid. And he did everything that was even better um, than Dynamite Kid. And number four, I put Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson, I should say, you know, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, uh, whatever, you, you know, you call, whatever you want to call him nowadays. Uh, number five, I put Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, number six, I put Ric Flair. Uh, number, actually, no, wait, actually at number five, I would put Dean Malenko. Number five, I put Dean Malenko. Number six, I put Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, number seven, I put Ric Flair. Uh, number eight, I would put Owen Hart. Uh, number nine, I would put Shawn Michaels. 
Actually, at number eight, I would put Shawn Michaels. Number nine, I'd put Owen Hart. And at number ten, I would put uh, Samoa Joe. Yeah, number ten, I would put Samoa Joe. But having said all that, you know, what he did as a person was horrific, shocking, and just terrible. Just terrible. You know, now, WWE, you know, has tried in the past to erase him. You know, they try to erase him from the past. And I can understand from a business standpoint, I understand, you know, at that time why they try to distance himself. You know, and I also understood why at that time they went PG because, you know, they, you know, they got rid of the, you know, the blood, they got rid of the, um, you know, some of the hardcore stuff, which of course uh, eventually led to the death of the so-called, well, my, my fingers using air quotes, new ECW. But, you know, I mean, but that was the way that it had to go because, you know, WWE has had plenty of, you know, controversies. You know, we all know about the steroid allegations and, you know, the controversy, of course, you know, when I was watching wrestling, you know, was, you know, the Attitude Era, the whole... You know, oh, you know, the showing the tits and the cursing and the violence, you know, but uh, this was not going to be something that WWE was going to get away from. You know, WWE wasn't just going to be able to gloss over and just be like, oh, go back to business as usual. You know, they had to at that time um, change their approach because, you know, they had to protect their sponsors. They had to, um, you know, they had to protect their business at that time. Now, of course, I think now, nowadays, I think they've done it to death now, you know, because, you know, it has led to storylines being, um, you know, being downright, you know, dry as sandpaper and, you know, people turning away from WWE and, you know, wrestlers not wanting to go there. But at that time, I understood why. You know, I can understand why because of this incident. Because, you know, it put wrestling in a bad light. And all because of, you know, because of what Benoit did. Now, people say like, well, you know, you know, uh, people with brain damage, you know, you know, don't all cause murders, and, you know, he's just a murderer, you know, people who, who have taken steroids don't all take, don't always commit murder, and my personal belief is that it was everything. I believe it was everything that caused Chris Benoit to do what he did. Not saying it was an excuse, not that it justifies what he did, but I feel like it was everything it was just everything, you know, it was everything in general. It was, 
the steroids, it was the brain damage, it was um, the alcohol. They said that Chris uh, drinked. Um, they said that he had a little bit of um, bipolar in him as well. And it was also the, um, you know, the death of, um, of Eddie. And it really wasn't until the Dark Side of the Ring episode that I really, um, I really found out how much, uh, Eddie's death, um, really affected him. You know, it was like, um, you know, it was almost like losing a brother, you know, and, um, you know, because these were two guys who had, um, been up and down the road together. They had been around the world together from Japan to ECW, WCW, WWF, which would eventually become WWE. Um, these were two guys who were told that, you know, you're not going to be anything in this business, you know, who had to fight and scratch and claw for everything that they had, who were told that you were ne were told that they were never going to be you know world champions that they were never going to be main eventers and they wound up being main eventers you know they wound up being main eventers they wound up main eventing wrestlemania 20 you know and i remember being in high school around that time i mean i didn't order the pay-per-view but i remember when eddie guerrero was champion i remember when chris benoit was champion you know, and, and, you know, it just gave a lot of people hope. It just gave a lot of people hope, you know, for the next generation to come. And, you know, and that's why, you know, you know, you see a lot of uh, wrestlers, you know, like, uh, you know, who, who don't have big arms and big chest, you know, out there, you know, man being main events and even eventually leading to women being in the main event and and wrestlemania as well you know it just goes to show you that you could be any size any color any um creed any gender just as long as you're willing to put it in the work and eddie and chris you know, they are a huge inspiration for that. And when you lose somebody like that, when you lose a brother in arm like that, you know, you know, it can affect you, you know, and I know what it's like to, you know, to lose somebody, you know, I mean, I've lost a father, I lost, I had a babysitter who was like a mother figure to me, and that affected me very very much as a kid, you know, I know what it's like to, um, you know, to also lose a friend, you know, I, I had one, um, person who I considered a friend, she was, um, uh, she was a secretary at a, um, over, over at, uh, BCIL, Boston Center for Independent Living, and she was a secretary, and she was a good friend, and I had a social workers there, and I had a, um, I had a crush on her, and I was actually gonna tell her that, um, that I loved her, and she was on a trip to New York, and then I found out she had, uh, cancer, 
and well, I didn't find out till later that she had cancer, and then I found out she had um she had died. And I was I was saddened by that. I was I was very saddened by that. You know, and she was a good person. So I know what it's like. You know, I really know what it's like uh, to lose somebody like that. And, you know, and it just goes to show you that, um, you know, that when you're dealing with something like that, you know, and on top of that, you have mental illness, you know, and of course, this is Mental Health Monday, that it's important to reach out. It's important to get help for yourself. You know, because then, you know, something like this uh, can be preventable. And, I mean, maybe, uh, well, I mean, who knows? I mean, in fact, I remember listening to Solomonster uh, Sound Off uh, yesterday before I watched the uh, Forbidden Door pay-per-view. And, uh... Solomonster was talking about the anniversary of Chris Benoit's um, murder-suicide, and one of the questions uh, from his uh, from his email bag, you know, was, uh, "Do you think had Eddie Guerrero not died, um, this would have prevented Chris Benoit's death?" And he said that, you know, well, it may have um, delayed the inevitable, and I believe it may probably may have delayed the inevitable, you know, I mean, because, um, you know, because Chris, you know, he was still, like, going through a depression, you know, it was, you know, because of the steroids and, you know, the brain damage, and, you know, you know, Eddie still being alive, you know, I don't think it would have, um, would have prevented the death, I think it just would have, um, delighted you know i think it just would have uh, if it hadn't had happened that weekend it would have happened probably the next weekend or the weekend after that but i think that eventually it would have it would have happened and it's sad to think that way but i think um that would have um that would have eventually happened and you know and it's tragic you know it makes um the business look bad. It makes wrestling fans look bad. And of course, it makes wrestling fans look even even more bad when they say that, oh, well, Chris Benoit should still be in the Hall of Fame. And they're, and they also try to come up with ways to justify it. You know, Jimmy Snuka, although with Snuka, Snuka, I kind of went back and forth on it because, you know, because of the insufficient evidence. And my thing is just like, well, my thing is this, we'll never really know, you know, we'll just never really know if he really murdered the girl or not, and we'll just leave it at, I'll, I just leave it at that. And as far as, but as far as Benoit, just no, no, he will never be in the Hall of Fame. You know, great wrestler, had some of the best matches in ECW, WCW, and WWF, WWE, but... He will not be in the Hall of Fame. It is not happening. Okay? He murdered his wife and son. Okay? He murdered his wife and son. He put his knee in his wife's back. Okay? He suffocated his son. 
okay? And a lot of people say like, well, you never know, maybe uh, 10 years down the line. No, not now, not ever. Even uh, 50 years from now, when we're all dead and gone, and there's like a WWE Hall of Fame in the year, like, I don't know, 4,022. Chris Benoit will never, ever, ever, ever be in the Hall of Fame. Okay? He will never be in the Hall of Fame. Now, as far as WWE goes, do I think WWE should have, like, a documentary that acknowledges him? Yes. You know, I think there should be some kind of WWE documentary that talks about his life. You know, not not the way to, like, praise him or anything like that. You know, there should be, like, a documentary that talks about, you know, his career, his life, you know, in a way that doesn't praise him, but also doesn't vilify him as well. You know, it's kind of like a in-between, or maybe like a documentary that kind of like where you, um, where, like, fa it's left for the fans to draw their own conclusion, you know, like, well, kind of make it in the vein of, um... Of the you know kind of like uh the world class um documentary the world class dvd that they came out with years ago you know because um you know the von erics you know i mean that's tragic in itself you know that whole story is tragic i mean there's some triumph in there but it's also very tragic as well you know but you know i do think that there's that WWE should um, come out with some documentary about it and they, they about Chris Benoit and there should be some they should try to acknowledge him again. But as far as being in the WWE Hall of Fame, no, just just no, no. Now Nancy Sullivan, Nancy Sullivan should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. I absolutely agree that she should be in the Hall of Fame, and it's a shame that she's not because it's because her name is associated with Benoit. But her name is more than just associated with Benoit. As I mentioned before, you know, she was a manager. You know, she's managed the who's who of wrestlers. You know, not only her husband, Kevin, her husband Kevin, she managed Ric Flair. She's managed the Steiner Brothers, Sandman. I mean... She has um, really been forgotten about, you know. I mean, she, I mean, she's almost been forgotten about. I mean, when we talk about one of the great female managers in pro wrestling, I mean, I believe she's right up there with uh, Miss Elizabeths, the Sherry Martells, the, um, you know, the Sunnies. Of course, we all know what happened. What eventually now is happening with Sunny and. You know, that's a story for another day. And, you know, with Sable, you know, of course, uh, not not too many people are happy with Sable. But, you know, in my opinion, she is right up there. And she should be in the Hall of Fame, you know, because, um, you know, she had a tremendous career herself. And it's a shame that her legacy has been tarnished. And she has done nothing wrong. You know, she has done nothing wrong. And, you know, and unfortunately, WWE, you know, they make no mention of her or nothing. I mean, even when, um, you know, when they had the one um, 
all-female pay-per-view. I mean, they didn't even mention her name then, you know. I mean, so that just goes to show you, you know. And and also, I feel bad for um, Chris's son, David, who tried to get into the... I think he's still trying to wrestle. You know, I think he wrestles in Canada, and um, which is kind of a shame, you know, because, like, you know, I would have loved, I mean, it's one thing if he wasn't, if he doesn't want to be in WWE because, like, he says that, um, you know, WWE did not try to contact him after the death of um, Nancy and Daniel and his father, and he said that he had no relationship with WWE. I mean, he was uh, backstage with Natalia a few times, and he did try to get a job, but uh, he did not get a job with WWE. And but to not get a job with AEW or Impact or, or 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 any other promotion in the United States is sad, you know, because it's um, you know, you know, because he's innocent in, in all this, you know. I mean, I mean, I'm a firm believer in what they say in the Bible, you know. You know, a child should not pay for the sins of their father. You know, and that's what he's doing. He's paying for the sins of their father, I mean, of his father. And he wants to make his own living. You know, it's like Cody Rhodes. Yeah, he's the son of Dusty Rhodes, but he's making his own way in wrestling. You know, I mean, Dominic Mysterio, the son of Ray, he's making his own way in wrestling. Why can't David Benoit, you know? And that's tragic, you know, that's tragic for David, you know, and you feel bad for for David, you know, I mean, you feel bad for anyone who is innocent in this whole entire thing, and all because, and it's all because of Chris, you know, and, and it's not to say that, I, you know, I don't forgive Chris Benoit, you know, I mean... The thing about, well, the thing about forgiveness is that, you know, I mean, I do consider myself a Christian, you know, I mean, I'm not a perfect Christian, you know, I'm not perfect, you know, I'm a, I'm a work in progress, is that you can forgive, but you don't forget, you know, I mean, um, and even, um, Nancy's sister, you know, she said, you know, like, uh, there will come a day when I will forgive Chris, but it just, today will not be that day. And, you know, you can forgive, I mean, I personally can forgive Chris Benoit for, you know, for what he did. I mean, I'm still ashamed of what he did, but, you know, but it's not like, you know, like I can hate him for forever. Because, you know, you know, as they say, you know, if, you know, if you don't learn to forgive, then you will not be forgiven. So, so yes, you know, you have to forgive. But having said that, do I think he should be in the Hall of Fame? No, he still should not be in the Hall of Fame. It just will not happen. It is what it is. And that's my stance on Chris Benoit. 
Wednesday. We're going to be looking at uh, some of his matches for WrestleTop Wednesday. And hope you all enjoyed this. And for those of you, um, yeah, I'm getting a little mushy, but I don't care. Uh, if you have a if you have a loved one, you know, a mom, a son, daughter, grandmother, hug them, kiss them, tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. And don't have a good day. Have a great day. Goodbye.